Hello and welcome to another lesson on acoustics. This time I am going to be addressing something that one of my clients that I've been helping to design and build a soundproof home recording studio has struggled so much with getting the perfect room ratio for his build in his basement. And it's led me to create this video because I was like, there's gotta be a ton of other people who are maddened. They're going insane over trying to get the best ratio and then they might look up the modes and calculate them and be like, well, is it the best ratio or should I try something else? Or maybe you get the best ratio and then the room feels too small and you're like, well, I wanna go bigger. So in this video, I'm gonna teach you how to move beyond room ratios. If you're feeling stuck by the room ratios, like it's just not the perfect dimension for you, I'm gonna teach you what those ratios are actually looking at in terms of getting a room that quote unquote sounds good because of a good modal response in the low frequency range. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, great, you're in the right place. I will teach you about exactly what that means. Before I jump in, I wanna let you know that I have a free acoustic treatment guide packet that you can download for free at my website at soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. That's soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. So check that out. If you're on this journey of trying to build a home recording studio, that is a great starting place for acoustically treating your room once you've got that perfect room ratio dimension figured out. All right, let's jump into this lesson on why room ratios don't work most of the time. All right, so for this next part of this lesson, I'm going to jump onto my computer screen and share that with you so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about in real time with the AMROC calculator as well as another really cool website that I'm gonna show you and uh, let's dive in. So first let's talk about why room ratios don't work most of the time. So the big thing that you're gonna run into, you can see the Sepmeyer ratio calculator. There's tons of other ratios out there, um, like Loudon, uh, Bolt has ratios, Volkman, there's tons. And and we can talk more about those in a second, but you know, I'm just gonna use Sepmeyer type A is considered a, a great ratio um, and has been used since the 60s. And you know, a lot of times people will have a ceiling height of eight feet, calculate the room size, the best type, means you have a really tiny room, a nine foot width and 11 foot length. That's really small, like a bedroom. Uh, no one wants to make music in there. So inevitably, to use these room ratios, you need to get that higher ceiling height. Like I just put in 15, which is an amazing ceiling height. You get a beautiful 17 by 20 foot studio. Still not huge, uh, but the room ratios and the modal responses will sound good. So you can see how ceiling height really dictates whether your studio will sound good. And most of us don't have that. So room ratios are annoying first off because of that. They don't work for us because of that. Another thing I wanna stress is there's no such thing as a perfect room ever. Even with these ratios, you're still gonna have issues. You're still gonna need to acoustically treat them. So room ratios should not be thought of as like, oh my God, the holy grail of room ratios. It's It doesn't work that way. It's a starting place and it's a way for acoustic designers. In this case, you're stepping into the role as acoustic designer in designing your home studio and you use them as a starting place. So next, let's talk about what makes a room sound great. And this is the next question. This is the thing we need to figure out in order to 
properly design our own room ratios that will sound good. So I'm gonna start off by showing you this example with supposedly a good room ratio, and we'll look at what makes it good. So I took these dimensions and I put them into this calculator, which is the amacoustics.com, AMROC for short. Look it up on Google, it's amazing. And we can see here those dimensions, I put them in here, height, width, and length, and it automatically pops out all the modes in the room. Now I'm not going to go deep into what modes are. You can stop this video and do a quick Google search on what modes are because that is an important understanding. But assuming you know what modes are, uh, these are showing you all three types of modes. So the axial, the tangential, and the oblique modes. Now the first thing we want to look at is the spacing between the modes. So what we see up here is like a lot of modes, a lot of lines bunched together. And that may seem like a bad thing because we're like, oh, we don't want room modes. But the truth is you do want room modes and you want them evenly spaced and bunched together because that smooths out the response of the room. Down in the low range here, you can see that we have larger spacing. Therefore, some of these notes are just going to boop, ring out or disappear depending on where you are in the room. And the other notes down here are gonna sound even in this room. So that's what makes the room have a, a, a timbral effect that is negative to our perception of sound in that room because certain frequencies are popping out or getting sucked away depending on where we walk around in the room. So that's not ideal. So what we want is an even spacing of modes. And I showed you this because without any way of understanding it, this is technically an even spacing of modes, even though it looks like there's a lot of space, but we have some of these, uh, we can look at the different modes here. We have the axial modes, uh, just took those away. So those are the big ones. Tangential modes is making this spot a little bit more even. And the oblique modes are usually up higher. We have one right there, but most of them are up in the higher frequency range. So this is considered a good thing. Another thing we want to look at is what's known as the Bonello criterion. And here it writes it out for you. And this is a thing that Bonello, who as an acoustician came up with, and he found that a good sounding room will have some certain characteristics within each one-third octave band. So we're gonna look at this. This shows one octave band right there. That's a one-third octave band right there. That's a one-third octave band and so forth all the way through the frequency spectrum. The reason we break it up into one-third octave bands is that's how we as humans perceive sound. Uh, and so when we break up sound in one-third octave bands, it's how the human ear hears and it helps us design a good room for that reason. So this is a great room in this sense because what you want is to have an even distribution of modes that rises consistently and never drops back down. So we can have a one-to-one, -one, that's okay, it's not ideal, but it's definitely okay. But this one, two, three, four, 11, 15, 33 is great according to Bonello's criterion. Another thing that we want to look out for are what are known as coincident frequencies. And these are, if one of these lines, so in one of these one-third octaves, if we have two lines that literally fall right on top of each other, that is bad and that will cause a timbral defect, uh, according to the li literature, which will make your room sound worse. In this ratio, we don't have any of those, so that's great, at least not in the lower frequency. Right here, uh, they're really close together, so I think that's in four. So let's take a zoom in here and just kind of quickly see what's going on here. So this right here, we have 65.7 and 65.8. That would be considered really close to a coincidence effect. So that's not ideal, but there's only one of them. It doesn't really happen in these other places. Even there, it's fairly even distribution. 
not uh, gets a little bit up here it doesn't matter as much above 100 hertz so pretty good right not perfect but good and then uh those are the main things so no coincident frequencies and no modes like super close together super close meaning like that like where there's literally like one or half a frequency difference between the two modes uh notice that the modes one is going to be axial and the other is going to be a tangential mode so that's what i mean by two different modes so we if we had like an axial tangential and an oblique all on top of each other that would be really bad this is arguably one of the best room ratios, this Sepmeyer ratio here. There's other ones. Some people say Loudon's, I think third ratio is one of the best. This is going to be debated for all humanity. So don't worry about which is the best. What we really want to worry about is what works best for the room we already have, or if we're building from scratch, just pick one and, and go from there. Like I would build a studio with these dimensions uh, if I felt like it was big enough, you know? Um, maybe I would look at a different uh, room ratio that got a ceiling height that's a little lower and a little wider because this is just kind of ridiculous with a 15 foot, I mean, this is gonna be a gigantic room. Um, so maybe you want more space on your, on your floor space. Those are all, these are design concepts that we need to think about. The next thing I want to talk about is the silly chapter marker that I'm going to put in called size matters. And it's such a dumb joke, I know. Uh, but in this case with room acoustics, size truly does matter. And it's all about room volume. So let me show you why. So here we have a large volume. Let's, you know, this is a good size room. It's not huge, but it's good because we have 15 foot ceilings. Now let's go back to our odometer.org and let's say, you know, a standard bedroom has eight foot ceilings. We got that eight, 9.12, 11.12, all that good stuff there. And what we're going to do is now look at this one. I've put this in the AMROC calculator. And what you can see right off the bat is the the relative spacing of the modes, you're like, hey, that looks really similar, Wilson. Like, and you're right, there's those one, two, three modes. There's the same one, two, three. So, so what changes? And what you wanna do is look at the actual frequency graph and the notes that we're getting. So down here in the bigger room, our first mode starts at 33 Hertz, 32.92 uh, Hertz, which is actually really low. Like a lot of speakers don't even go down to 33 Hertz. Uh, you have to have maybe even a subwoofer to hear a lot of times. I know mine go down to 32 hertz, uh, so I could barely hear that low room mode. So that's pretty good. And the next one's at 37 and so forth. If we look at a smaller room, that same first mode starts at 50.7 hertz, which is like right smack dab in the middle of your kick drum. Your problem modes then continue at 60, 68. And so we can see that our problem modes continue higher in a smaller room than they did in the lower room. Towards the lower room, things start to uh, even out at lower frequencies. So what this means when I say even out is you start to see all these lines here. That's the smoothing out of the modes, and that's a good thing, actually. In this room, we don't get the smoothing out of the, of the modes until way up here. You start to see all these modes up here. Another way to look at this is I'm just gonna scroll down and we can see the Schroeder frequency. So the Schroeder frequency says when the modal problems of waves, so like pressure, energy, low frequency waves in a room, once it shifts over to rays, meaning more direct lines of sound, and I know that's kind of confusing, but essentially we want the Schroeder frequency as low as possible in our room because that means our problems with waves, which are harder to treat, 
is low is low uh, going to be a lower transition point at 323 hertz that's a pretty high transition point for our smaller room if we go into the bigger room uh, we can see that that schroeder frequency drops to 126 hertz so that is a huge difference between knowing that at 126 hertz we're going to be pretty much golden in in this bigger room and then at 300 hertz we're going to have trouble or we're going to get golden in the smaller room so that's a big reason why room volume just larger rooms is going to help you with acoustics even though the ratios are the same all right now to understand this looks like a good room so if you're looking at your own room ratios and it looks similar to this or we're getting some nice spacing a good amount of modes between them not huge gaps uh, that's a good thing if we're looking at our bonello criterion and it's going up one one two three four eleven blah 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 same thing one one three three five that's that's not as good as the big room but still you don't have a drop which is okay um so now i'm going to show you a completely terrible room so you know what not to do so let's look at that uh this is a cube this is considered by all acousticians to be the absolute worst size room uh the smaller the cube the worse so eight by eight by eight could be a bedroom in a house and if you have an eight by eight room i, I highly recommend you do not do anything musical in it um you can see right away the spacing is different let's take a quick look uh even between this room which is only slightly bigger uh way more modes in that same area so let me just zoom out here here now let's go over to this one huge difference right away uh first first big problem mode comes at 70 hertz uh which is a gigantic mess and uh we have a drop in the bonello uh criterion so it goes three three and then down to one which bonello said if that happens uh it will to our human ears sound bad it won't sound good and so we don't want that if we look at the bolt area we're not even close to on it so that's a that's not good and i'll talk about the bolt area in a second let's look at the schroeder frequency 407 hertz that's very high uh so everything about a cube just reeks of terrible acoustics I'm, I'm kind of being facetious here because this is just a bunch of lines on a piano and it doesn't mean anything to you yet but hopefully it's starting to look like something that you could work with if you put in some different room modes all right, so up until this point, I haven't really talked about the bolt area, and you probably are like, well, Wilson, what about the bolt area? What, what about that thing? So if we look over here, you know, you're, you're really not on the bolt area with this supposedly great room ratio, and you might be like, oh my god, we got to get in on the bolt area, like what the F? The answer is, well, maybe not so quick. If we look over here, still not on the bolt area, and again, like I said, way off the bolt area over here. So the bolt area, you can even read this little blurb here, um, it was created by Richard Henry Bolt, who was an acoustician, who back before the time of computers, you could look at that bolt area and it was a, a X and Y axis where, you know, room ratios, you could say, oh, let's do like a 1.21 by 1.93 and that would put us right in the middle of the bolt area and people are like oh great that should be a good room ratio and then what they might have done is hand hand drawn out all the problem frequencies like this you know and, and been like okay we're gonna have room modes here and now what's nice is with computers we can easily see uh, quickly the the modal distribution so the bolt area is not necessarily like you could have a room mode outside the bolt area like for example, this great one right here that's outside of it, that in fact has 
a good modal response and will be a great room. So all this said, let me show you another really cool tool. This is called acoustic.ua uh, and it's based off of Trevor Cox who wrote a paper in 2004. I highly recommend actually reading it. Um, you can look down here. I, I took a glance at it. This is uh, room sizing and optimization at low frequencies by the Audio Engineering Society, volume 52, blah, blah, blah. If you want to learn more about it, it is fascinating. But let me explain this to you in layman's terms because this is really helpful. Unfortunately for us imperialists, uh, it's all in meters, which is totally fine. We can change that up. But what this shows you in this graph over here is you put in your room ratios in meters and it will plot just like the bolt ratio calculator did in AMROC where your room falls on this graph. And I'm going to quickly turn these off and you're looking at some camouflage and the gray and dark stuff uh, is considered good and the black is considered the best. So if your dot falls within a black area, you're like super good. And I will say that Trevor Cox did this because one thing he realized is that construction techniques will greatly influence um, the sound of a room and his calculations are using much more powerful uh, algorithms and our computers to look at tons and tons of different room ratios and what it actually will be like using different construction methods. So technically his little graph here is like the super futuristic version of the original bolt area. Um, so it might be worth looking at this as maybe the best option we have at this point in time. Again, it's just a resource. So let me show you how this works. One thing to keep in mind is if we change the room cubing, and it took me a long time to understand what that meant, but it's just the, the total cubic meters in your room. So like over here, his calculator automatically calculates that you have 336 cubic meters. So you would turn on the 200. I think this is how this works, showing that you have at least a room with 200 cubic meters. So you have a lot more good room ratio options, which makes sense from what I taught you before about how room ratios are better with larger volumes. So if you have 100 cubic meters, you notice that you have less options. And if you go down to 50 cubic meters, you have even less options and it's more, it's a different uh, place. So that's how that works. If we click on Richard and Bolt, you can see that Bolt area overlaid on top of his uh, diagram. You can see the EBU, which is the um, European Broadcast Union recommendations for room ratios, and that's kind of an interesting plot there. And then you can see the IEC uh, sound system equipment recommendations for loudspeakers, and that's going to be within uh, a ratio in this red triangle. So in a perfect world, you might find a ratio that fits in all three in that black area right there, which might be like 1.5 by like, let's say 1.5. I don't know, nine or something like that. So you could mess around with something like that, but you can see how this gets a little crazy. We can even plot that same Seppermeyer ratio that I did before. Uh, this is the first one done in 1965. You notice that we fall uh, right on the edge there and maybe I can zoom in a little bit and see where that is. You can see we're kind of on the plot. And if I were to actually, if we're doing a larger room, so see how if we did like a hundred square foot cubic room um we fall in it falls in a little slightly different spot we can click on different ones that one's a pretty good spot right there in the gray that's kind of in the white loudens is over here that one's in the gray so that's good that one's kind of touching the black so that could be good but it's also kind of in the white it's hard to tell so i don't know this is an interesting calculator it could also make you go mad that one's maybe not 
not the best that's richard bolt right there see it's out in the white who knows if that's ideal people have built rooms using that ratio before this one could be good that was the iec recommendation of one 1.96 and 2.59 so what i would do is let's say you got a room like this and you could put this back in amrock and see how it fits with your own room dimensions uh, and look at the the modal distribution of that room so this is just another tool take it with a grain of salt again these are all mathematical equations run by computer models and they aren't necessarily our actual real world so i hope this has been not overwhelming and i hope it's been sort of uh helpful now i'm going to talk about sort of the conclusion of where you can take all this information and how to use it on your own First, now that you know why the room ratios were created in the first place, and you know what they're trying to achieve, you can move beyond them. So I recommend using the room ratios as a starting place. You can also use the bolt area as a starting place, or any of the areas recommended, like the European Broadcasting Union uh, area, or even Trevor Cox's new system that incorporates a whole new frame of thought. You can use that as a way to find a dimension, and then you can go back to the AMROC calculator and look at the separation of modes. You can look at the Bonello criterion, and you can start to decide if this room looks like it's going to be a good starting place for your studio. Remember, if there looks like there's an excessive gap between modes uh, in the low frequencies in the 100 hertz and below, then maybe try nudging the walls a little bit. Uh, it's important to remember that one little trick you can do is if you have a bad ratio, move the width or the length by 5% in one direction, either greater or smaller, and see what that does to your modal distribution in the low end. That usually will get you closer to a better situation. Another thing to remember is avoid cubes at all cost and avoid using whole numbers for your ratio, like one, two, three, or like one, four, five, anything like that. We're trying to get those decimals because that will lead to a better acoustic modal response in your room. Lastly, remember that these are just calculators assuming an infinitely stiff room, which is impossible. So once you build your room with stone, drywall, brick, wood, whatever it is that you're building your room out of, the way that modal response occurs in a room will be different in the real world than what these calculators are saying. So we're using this as a design tool, not as the end all be all. Your room will sound perfect as soon as you walk in once it's finished. The truth is every room needs to be acoustically treated. So once you design a room with proper modal response in the low end based on room dimensions, then you'll make your life that much easier when you actually go about acoustically treating it. This isn't to say that having bad room acoustics or bad room ratios, I should say, means you can't have a home recording studio. That's ridiculous. It just means you're going to need more acoustic treatment to get that flat frequency response that we're ideally looking for. All right. I hope this has been an extremely helpful uh, lesson on room ratios, room acoustics, and room dimensions. I know I learned a ton from my client and working with my client and trying to figure out, okay, what is he up against? And it deepened my own knowledge of room modes, which is always great and helpful. So I hope this has helped you. Again, if you're on this journey and you need to learn where to place acoustic treatment, what acoustic treatment to use, download that free acoustic treatment guide at soundproofyourstudio.com acoustic. Thank you so much for watching, and I will see you all next week with another lesson on soundproofing and room acoustics. Thank you.